Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. Europod. Hi, this is Alex, executive producer and producer of Your Talks Back. Thanks for tuning in. This is the second part of a mini-series of two episodes dedicated to a panel debate. We had the pleasure to moderate on the occasion of the European Lab organized by Artifati and the Sphere Network in Brussels on October 12th and 13th. The panel debate went under the title From Rising Alternative Viewpoints to Providing Quality Information, How Podcasting is Transforming the European Media Landscape. We invite you to listen to the previous episode in this podcast feed before listening to this one. And now, back to the conversation. I wanted to open up a bit to the public here. I'm sure someone will have a few questions for these amazing guests. So, questions for the panelists. Hi, my name is Mira. I'm uh, half Italian, half Croatian. It was really interesting what uh, Jenny, uh, about uh, the mainstream media in Greece, because in Croatia is a... Uh, totally maybe different. In Croatia, we don't have uh, a podcast of a mainstream media. So the public television or the radio doesn't have at all a podcast. I'm doing now my thesis uh, on independent podcasters in Croatia. And uh, the independent podcasters in Croatia are only entertainment. No news podcast at all. So... Now I'm facing this situation and I did a lot of research, interviews, whatever. I found uh, really amazing people. Uh, they are, of course, doing a podcast only for the heart and uh, not for monetizing or whatever. But I think that uh, in a country where there is the polarized media and uh, where... So uh, it should be at least uh, another... Uh, we should raise an alternative viewpoint uh, about the news. So I was just, uh, I, I just wanted to somehow connect with this Greece problem. Thank you. That was super interesting, actually. Um, even if it was, it was not, it, no, it was not a question, but it was super interesting. Hi, I'm Yannis. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. I want to ask a question. How do you try to mobilize your audience? I'm from Greece, obviously. So how do you try to mobilize your audience to start paying for the news, to support the podcast? Uh, what is your take on that? Because we too work in an independent journalistic organization, so it's super difficult to convince people that it's not something that comes to you for free. It's like It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. It's not like that easy to get your news. Like proper news, not propaganda. Yeah, thank you for this question. It couldn't be hardest. <laughs> Because uh, I'm not going to stick on that, but uh, the past four years I'm a freelancer, so I'm not really in that position of uh, directly uh, communicating with the audience to deal with these issues. But I have an experience of uh, at least three years in one Greek medium. It's called the Press Project. It's online. It's in Greek, which is uh, a great example because it's 100% funded by 
reader subscription. This thing for like the Greek context, for someone who has even little knowledge, it's unbelievable. They cannot afford to have like, uh, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 journalists, and they cannot afford to do like long-term investigations. But uh, they survive in a very decent way, paying the rent and the bills of uh, six, seven journalists. And the press project is the Greek uh, media partner with which we did uh, with Bull Media the podcast series I mentioned before about the fall of press freedom in Greece. Because by the way, if you're not an independent medium, you would never be able in Greece to treat this issue and this topic. So from the press project experience... Definitely it's not easy. You have to fight for that 24-7. You have to be there. You have to produce news. You have to do original reporting. You have to be decent to your audience. You have to be close, like even physically speaking, to your audience. We were doing meetings. We did open invitations to our audiences to come, to meet us in person, to discuss what kind of stories they would like us to report on, what do they think we're doing wrong, we can do better. And one feature regarding the press project audience is that the subscribers are Greeks living abroad. And why I mention that? Because these are usually the Greeks that can afford to pay. Because it's not only that uh, Greeks like um, hate the media, we have like millions of news websites to get your news, so why pay for one if you can have another hundred? But it's of course like all the crises that in Greece we suffered and we still do. So like you cannot afford basic things nowadays, let alone subscription in media. So unfortunately I don't have a magic recipe. It's a non-stop uh, fight and the work and uh, yeah, be in touch with your audience. Can I intervene a little bit on this and the press project example that you just brought? I think part of the success of the press project is how they perceive news and how they choose to cater to their audience. I think that plays a biggest part because their reporting, your reporting, is actually original and you do not see it in other Greek media. That's why me, who I live abroad, I'm I'm speaking of personal experience, I do consume other media, of course, but then always I'm trying to figure out what is the other viewpoint, what is the reality in my country. And Press Project will most likely talk about what the reality is. So that's why I think they're doing journalism. There is a small influence of the audience on the journalism, but it's journalism produced with the audience, so... journalism for the audience and uh, that's why we choose to go and chip in even a little bit because it gives us that different perspective that we don't hear in mainstream media and you know I always say when I have the opportunity that bad journalism doesn't mean bad journalists Bad journalism means that there is someone behind who is playing power games and is having like any newspaper, TV channel or whatever for any other reason than producing journalism, let alone good journalism. 
Thank you. I asked you to stay positive before the conference, but I see you tend to go really... No, but it's um, absolutely relevant to speak about uh, Greece at uh, this dimension. But I found it interesting that we have stressed a lot rising alternative viewpoints. Now, you have right now mentioned bad journalism, which comes close to the dimension of quality information. I was wondering if you have any thoughts about how podcasting has or not maybe increased uh, the quality of information in itself, the product. We know by now that podcasting has always a bit been sold like you know, the intimate medium, which is true. It's the place where you get really close. It you know, gives a lot of connection between the journalist and the audience, as you said. But recent news also told us that it's not a medium which is where fake news or you know, disinformation is absent from or misinformation. Actually, the fact that everyone can do it and everyone can be distributed through Spotify and the big streaming platforms gives also a lot of room for podcasting to sometimes not be about quality information. So what are your thoughts about the, this dimension in podcasting? I actually had the same conversation just before this panel with my colleague over there, who was like, everybody can do a podcast. How do you make sure that fake news and misinformation is online? And I believe that fake news and misinformation is online regardless podcast or without podcast. You can see that in a form of a blog. You can see that in radio. You can see that in TV. You can see it everywhere. Twitter, everywhere. X now, but everywhere. If I would focus on the quality of news as such, I would focus on how much effort you put to create a podcast, not on is there another podcast that is misinformation. Of course there is, there is such a huge variety of podcasts out there, but I think that the audience is now quite trained, I would say, to discard and to choose which one is the, the right one. If that is not the case, and you know the, the, there is a podcast that it becomes super huge and it's fake news, there will be the other podcast that will call out on that. So somehow that's how journalists, I think, we, if you have a journalistic background, I guess you still want to obey to the ethics and why you decided to podcast. So if you see that somebody is actually disobeying these ethics, I think you will take a stance on that. And I think you will raise a voice at some point. Maybe I'm being too idealistic with this point, but I think that's how we manage to discard from good and bad and misinformation, fake news, to actually what needs to be reported. Just earlier, we talked about press uh, project. We mentioned that because it's actually good quality journalism and it makes waves in, in Greece and abroad Greece. What would happen if that was not um, a reliable source? I don't think it would be the same. I don't think I would pay somebody who is not a reliable source. So that's my, my take on this. Thank you. Reactions to what Effie said? I think that, as I said, there's bad journalism, bad information and misinformation in every media. I think that's just twisting a little bit your question. I think that it's providing quality information because it's forcing journalists to find another way to tell their stories and to focus on them in a different way. As I said before, you know, the post-production and how you build the story, you know, in a sensitive way to thinking in an audience Someone is going to listen to this in their AirPods or whatever is different from how you, I think, of how you uh, build a story when they, you think that they are going to read it in the phone. Just, you know, well, I have, I'm waiting for t five moments. I'm going to read just 10 lines and 
uh, past one other thing. Podcasting engages the audience, so I think that if you are really trying to do good podcasting, it's going to force you to be more crafted in the way you construct your story. And also, I think that it gives quality to the information to listen to the voices of the sources instead of just reading about them. No, uh, Coming back to the example of the sexual abuse podcast, listening to the voices of some of them that just talk through the podcast, it was really moving for the audience. No, it's different as reading their testimonies. And for the sources, it's easier to do it in audio than to do it for television. I think that maybe it's not quality, but it's another dimension, no? Another dimension. You want me to add something? So yeah, I'm not going to repeat uh, what you said, but I totally agree. A thing that I noticed in the Greek podcast landscape, and I like it, and I think this is quality, not uh, particularly of information, which is, but quality of life at the end of the day, is that they give lots of space to issues that uh, other formats do not. For example, mental health issues, women's issues, and you will find like a series of podcasts discussing about these things and I know that communities are being created like you contact the podcaster Facebook groups pop up people feel free they feel that they have a safe space to discuss things I think this is amazing it's not just you know a text kind of far away from you it becomes something like more personal intimate it helps people at the end of the day really dealing with some issues in their lives no absolutely i totally agree on several things you said i think the fact that podcasting exposing the journalists no towards the audience compared to mostly to written pieces for instance has an impact on how the journalist cares about what he or she is going to say I think that the clarity of language is another thing which makes so that in podcasting information has a high, on average, a really high quality because you tend to write in a clearer fashion, which is Koneno, you said it before. I think that's, that's really true, actually. And, um, well, and also the relationship with the interviewees, for instance, the fact that it's less intrusive, um, pretty true as well. Thank you. Thank you for these insights. Can we ask the audience a question? Ah, sure. What stories, what topics would you like to see in podcasts? What do you miss as stories and topics like that there are out there? Well, I guess I can answer and also pose you a question. Thank you for the panel. My name is Nina. I work for a business-to-business outlet in London. And um, we write about research for the research sector. So I would love to see more about academic freedom. And I'm also would like to produce a podcast about academic freedom, kind of like along the lines of the ones you did on journalistic freedom. And I wanted to ask a question, maybe if you have some experience with this or something, but um, because my outlet is business to business, I find it extremely hard to make podcasts, we're just starting up now, that isn't like extremely, extremely dry. It sounds like two bankers uh, sitting there discussing numbers, you know? So... How can I do that when it's not like I'm, you know, out in the field where all the action is happening, but more, it's more kind of like paper pushing? It's a really good question. Just, you said academic freedom. So, 
I understand the struggle very, very well because I also sometimes have these kind of things. How do I stop politicians talking about politics 24-7? But you also mentioned you're not in the field and I think that's a good idea. You should be a bit more involved with the field to actually make your podcast more interesting. And I think... It's very interesting when you create a podcast, start thinking like the audience. Would you want to listen to what you're creating? If the answer is no, do not even publish it, don't go there. Just think of how would you want the story to be told about numbers? Yes, numbers, most boring thing on earth, yes. You need to think outside of the box. I know this sounds very like basic, things outside of the box, but you really need to think of what story about numbers you would listen. How would you tell a story to somebody that hates numbers and you would make them for 15 minutes listen to you explain to this topic about numbers, 15 minutes? It's a challenge, yes, there are ways. You need to maybe look at different angles, maybe bring personalities in there. One thing that sells very well in podcasts is people that are actually living that life or that are very engaged in numbers. And maybe you should ask questions that go beyond the numbers and their involvement with the topic. That's how you get those little snippets that make podcasts quite interesting and uh, quite like diverse from the others. You, I think every time I say that podcasters are striving for originality. Every time you make a podcast, you look at the script that you've written afterwards and you're quite never satisfied because something is missing and then you rewrite it and then you record it again and again and again until it's like, okay, this is better. But it's never like, wow, this is such a masterpiece. No. I have something to say about this because you're like, my CEO is not here. So I don't need to tell you, no, he's not here. So I don't need to tell you, come to my office and we write a concept for you and you which is what we do. But also with Anna, oftentimes we have discussed over the past uh, weeks on another project we are working together that uh, format is everything. So there are ways, crazy ways sometimes to make a conversation between two people become really interesting for how the conversation unfolds. So it's not necessarily about the angle, but you could find ways which are funny to listen to in the interaction between the two persons. So I'm, I give you an example. There's plenty of shows about the podcast industry itself. You know, be it on monetization, be it on, I don't know, how you build a podcast, how do you grow your audience. And just recently, a new show dropped, which is called Podcasting or Podcast 360 Degrees. And basically, they have a crazy format where the guest of this episode is the interviewer of the next episode. And then they have the show which is divided into three segments. In the first segment, the guest says three things. One of these is fake. And at the end of the show, the host needs to guess which was the fake option. And then they go into a format where the guest needs to answer within 10 questions and 10 minutes. And here, just they have one minute for each answer. And when I read this, without listening, I said, this is, this is nuts. Honestly, this is, it makes no sense. But then I listened to it, and it was so fun. What happened is that I listened to five episodes in a row. For one hour and 20 minutes, I listened to all the episodes they had done until now. It was not because the content was different. It was just formatted in a way that would be so pleasant and so funny 
that you know even a chat you know between two dogs could become something uh, interesting. I think that for the format, for example, do uh, we have the experience in Prisa with some podcasts that when you bring someone to talk about a topic and you provide it with a format different, like, yeah, we are going to talk about, for example, now all the brands want to talk about sustainability, which is a topic that is the most boring, probably. We have done a format just, you know, with a fixed questionnaire with questions that are related to that and questions that are completely out of the box for the expert that come. And they find it uh, funny and this conversation, you know, these questions that they don't expect, move them to talk about something and relax them and allows us that then when we edit all the conversation, have some things that are not as boring as they can be. So it's not easy, as you said, just think and think and try. So I had a pretty clearly visual sign, which was this from the back, which I interpret like... <laughs> The podcast is over. I'd like to ask you to give a big round of applause to Effie Chiori, Janet Siropulo, and Ana Rivera. Thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening to the panel debate from rising alternative viewpoints to providing quality information. How podcasting is transforming the European media landscape which took place on October 12th and 13th in Brussels, on the occasion of the European Lab organized by Artifati and the Sphere Network. EuroTalks Back is part of the Sphere Network project and is available on Europod. Our sound design and mixing are by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Alexander Damianorici, and I'm the executive producer of EuroTalks Back. We'll be back with a new story episode next week. Bye.